Hello everyone and welcome again to Wednesday Night Live. My name is Ron Crawford. I'm the pastor of the Father's Church in Dallas, Texas. And I am very happy to once again have the privilege of being able to reach out to my congregation here in Dallas and the extended members of our church family, as well as to our Saints Network family. God bless you all. It's a tremendous thing to be privileged to walk with the Lord uh, in this pathway of being saints. And here we are at the very conclusion of the month of September. We made it through the seminar, which was a wonderful, wonderful time of blessing in the Lord. And now we are directing our gaze toward what the Lord has in store for us next. For a long time, we have recognized that the 10th month, along with being one of the fastest feasting months, is truly the, um, the doorway into the new spiritual year. I am not aligning it just with you know, any kind of messianic calendar. But I'm saying that whatever is happening at this time of the year, the combination of things in October is a very tumultuous moment in the spirit realm. And it's a, it's a time where we should be girding ourselves up and being prepared to move into what God has for us. And so that begins for us. Uh, Friday is uh, October 1st. And we then have first Saturday prayer the day following. We will we'll be sending out a directive for our Saints Network so that we can at least all begin with a unified course of pursuit. But primarily it is one where we come before God we thank him for the way he has ushered us through these many months this truly unmatched time period in the history of the world and we we lay down every point of thanks gratitude but we also ask the Lord to wash us and cleanse us of those battle scars, those memories, even those points of remembrance of triumph. We, we need to lay them all down as a sacrifice before God and come into this new time with clean hands and a pure heart. Um, our garments, spiritual garments, need to be laid out and let the fire of the Lord consume them as an offering according to what the book of Isaiah writes and we need to be outfitted with whatever type of garb the father knows we need spiritually as we go forth into the new so that's a lot of that's a lot of things to be um, aware of but yet they are all very real in the spirit realm and so we come to pray this coming Saturday and we we truly do those things we thank the Lord we ask him to cleanse us 
we ask him to heal us. We ask him to assuage the the anguish, if there is any, or the memories of harrowing times. And let the balm of Gilead touch and address them. And then we... Uh, we we lay that down even our that's what fast of feasting is about even the points where we think we have a right to have a measure of restitution we lay that all down you know we studied this past sunday morning um one of the facets from our pursuit in isaiah 61 was about what divine vengeance is and how we participate in it, but it doesn't belong to us, and it's divine vengeance. It's not, it's not our vengeance. You know, vengeance there is uh, a measure of the feeling of God, which he says belongs to him. It's his, but it's his feeling, not of retribution, but the fire and the desire of making things right it it goes hand in hand with the jealousy of god so we we don't come for any measure of payback this saturday we come paying it forward for the lord to do the things he wants to do and that always begins by a measure of contrition and submission and obedience and then being outfitted in what God knows we'll need. And so this is what we do this weekend, this beginning of the month of October. And I proclaim over all of the saints that you will be protected and covered and that there will be no ill that comes near you and that you will overcome in the Lord and be launched forward as a pioneer into the things that the Spirit has ordained for this year to come spiritually. So look for that email with a, a poetic directive <laughs> and but most importantly let's Let's set aside time, even now, in our planning for prayer on this coming Saturday. Over the past few weeks, uh, if you have been paying attention at all in our Saints Network gatherings, you know that God has opened the door for us to gain a more <clears throat> complete understanding of what the repentance of God really is and we've had a number of teachings where the Spirit has led us and I have to I have to tell you that <laughs> I don't really remember I don't remember God dropping a bombshell topic on us at the beginning of a seminar usually we have the privilege of receiving line upon line instruction through the months leading up to a seminar 
We did get that this year. And so many of the topics that I had intended to speak on again were sidelined so that we could pursue this discussion of Nacham and Halah. And I believe that the Lord is not only teaching us, but he's welcoming us into a deeper measure of commune in those things. That's a privilege. It's an honor. And so we came into this past Sunday and the Lord started to talk to us about what it meant to have uh, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness and we took a, a much more intense look at Isaiah 61 the sermon that Jesus spoke on his first message in Luke chapter 4 and we talked about a number of things there we talked about um, the different ways that we through Nacham are supposed to be ministering to those that mourn or those places that are dried up and that are on the way to becoming destitute or who already have reached that destination. And we we talked about it in in a lot of different ways and it was like a, a fire hydrant of insight. And you know, I have to admit I I am thrilled to receive those kinds of deliveries of meat from the Father. And and in truth, uh, we as pneumaticos saints need to be people who recognize this is the way God deals with his sons. He and you think about even when we talk about the process of having an encounter with God and then processing and interpreting. When God moves, no matter which way it is, it's overwhelming. And then we, as the recipient, as the invited participant, have the privilege of deducing, writing what we what we know happened, recording, testifying of it, as it were. And then over the process of time, so many of those factors of that visitation become uh, clarified. So, to me, when God gives a, a word like we got on Isaiah, in Isaiah 61... It was so revelatory and it encompassed so many concepts that the Spirit of God has painstakingly taught us over the years from the Word that it was a it was a delivery. I mean it it was overwhelming and I, I feel kind of badly in some ways and always have when we have visitors who are there or those that are newcomers to our walk because you know, I know that as a pastor, they're not used to that kind of thing. And secondly, 
they're they're usually not caught up with the the steps that the spirit led us through from our study of the word that sets the stage for that and I have grappled with this over the years and felt badly. I'm enthused. You do what God says to do and you build off of it because that's how our our doctrinal positions from the Scripture have been established over these many years. So I'm not faulting that. But there's no way you can dumb it down and there's no way that you can extend it out. You know, I could... uh, You could take Psalm 61, uh, Isaiah 61, and do a an extended series just on it taking each particular um, segment of it we touched on them we we gave definitions rapidly and effectively but we didn't sit down and mash the food and spoon feed everybody you see that that is, I'm not making excuses, I'm just saying this is the way God has brought us to where we are. This is the way God moves. When you have an encounter with God, it's like what we've talked about with, with Moses in the cleft of the rock. You're there standing where he says for you to stand. His hand of partnership is covering you and his glory is moving moving past you. I mean, you're you're with God. He's in the midst with you, but his glory is being revealed. And it's after that glory that you can then behold the the um, the rear regard. And Hebrews, again, says that Moses was with fear and trembling when he did that. that. Well, why didn't God just meet with Moses and just tell him one thing after another? You know, make it simple. Make it easy. Do it in three or points, or even seven. That's not the way God moves. <laughs> that is not the way God moves. Look at uh, the day of Pentecost. I mean, I know those people were offering up deasis and prosuke there in the upper room, and those that were left after contrition had hit. It's another principle of the pneumatikos. Uh, he had contrition in numbers. Um, those that were left have this amazing encounter and everybody's looking around what meaneth this Peter stands up and says something in under the direction of the spirit that says what it was but it didn't really teach on anything it didn't go through okay these uh, unknown tongues this is what this is for and you know this fire represents this and this rushing wind the sound of it means this and it doesn't mean that they didn't have their their ipods and their blackboards out there to make sure everybody had it down as simple make it simple whenever god moves it is it it is going to be overwhelmingly profound and you can't dumb that down and i know that's what most people want um, but when God starts saying, okay, it's time to go into this, he's already prepared you in a number of ways, and you have submitted yourself to open the door for that, but you just better get ready. When God moves, you're not going to be able to, to explain it immediately, and you're not going to walk away with a three-point understanding of, of, what's, of what's happening. 
You know, early on when God was, we were in the honeymoon stage of the development of the saints' calling. Um, There were so many things going on in the spirit realm, wonderful visitations of the spirit. And every day I was really approached by good, well-meaning people saying, "What, what just happened? What went on? And in the meantime, I was being shown things by the Lord that had to do with what our responsibilities were, what the Spirit wanted out of all of those things to teach the people from the Word on right then, and how to keep things processed but under somewhat of a control so it didn't spiral uh, like a wayward Roman candle. It's usually what happens to visitations. People have an experience and then they just go hopping, searching for other experiences. And if they're not having experiences, they're just, oh, why me? Where are you, Lord? But, you know, a pneumaticos people, which is those that are expert by the Spirit in the deeper things of the Spirit, process, even what Paul wrote to the Corinthians, I'm writing these things to you, and if there be a prophet or a pneumaticos among you, let them attest that what I'm saying is true. Peter said, when Paul comes to speak, many of them are hard, they're difficult to understand. That's the way revelation is, my friends. And you can't excuse it. It doesn't, it doesn't build, it doesn't build a, an amazing flock of people who come because they, you know, they want to hear, hey, what happened to me last week? Put a Band-Aid on it. Or, you know, I just want to feel. You know, you feel, yes, but you emerge with the imprint of the Lord. And you, you God doesn't want a dumb, a, a dumb bride. God doesn't want a, a token spouse that is easy on the eyes, but, but stingy on the brains. I mean, we, we've got to be people that, yes, we're in love with the Lord, but we recognize that there's a responsibility to being a joint heir with Christ. There's a, there's a heady responsibility. It's a wonderful privilege. But when you, when you are a recipient of a download from the Spirit, how do you, how do you process it? Well, I have to tell you that I took Isaiah 61 and have gone over it and over it over these past couple of days. I taught on a selected frame of it for our French-speaking brothers and sisters where we focused on the three dimensions of, of um, how you comfort those that mourn through the... Through the uh, uh, the the nacham and the and the vengeance of God, we talked about those three dimensions. That was good. I enjoyed that. Um, we mentioned it some yesterday on Saints Radio, but even last night and this morning, I just keep looking over it. And you know, the easy thing to do would just be to bust out all the nacham passages and just lay it out. We're just going to go through them all and teach which we did to some degree at the seminar, but we didn't touch all the passages. 
Um, we can only do what God directs us to do, and we don't need to be trying to help him out. So, last night, as I was praying about what we needed to share together today, and in, then even this morning, early, with my Oak Cliff coffee that I brewed up, yum, Rosemont, Rosemont flavor, um... I, you know, it's, it's funny because through the summer, I drank um, primarily uh, coffee from Rwanda, single source coffee through uh, the coffee roasters that I obtain a lot of our coffee from um, for the network and for our folks in in uh, here in the house. But that Rwandan coffee, as wonderful smooth as it was, I was praying for that centralized region of Africa where we really poured a lot of time and effort and intercession and money into. Um, I was praying for them, but then I uh, I shifted coffee. But you don't want to know why? Because I forgot to order the Rwandan. <laughs> That's TMI. Some of you have already switched it off. Oh, see, he's just chit-chatting. Um, I bless you. But the Lord directed me to Joel chapter 2. And here, most people, when they think of Joel 2, they think of that sermon that Peter gave on the day of Pentecost. They think of the promise of sons and daughters prophesying, old men dreaming dreams, um, um, young ones going if in vision. That's great. That's wonderful. But what leads up to it? We want to look at this discussion concerning the day of the Lord. And the day of the Lord has been manifesting itself in numbers of ways over the generations. Where God, Yahweh, brings people to a climactic moment and a day of visitation and a day of transition. And then it's it's like, chapter after chapter building one another toward the finality of the day of the Lord. So to say we're in the day of the Lord, we've been in the the day of the Lord for millennia because it is a progression. But I do believe that at some point you enter into a culminative point of the day of the Lord and I, I believe that if we're not in that now, we're at the beginning of that sequence where the finality of things is going to be known. And that's, that's an exceptional blessing, but it's also sobering. And so in Joel 2, it says, um, and I, I gave to Scott some uh the, the scriptures from verses 12 through 14 but verse 11 is so good it says the Lord shall utter his voice Yahweh will utter his voice before his army for his camp is very great for he is strong that executes his word for the day of the Lord is great and very terrible who can abide it therefore also now says Yahweh turn ye even to me with all of your heart and with fasting 
and with weeping and with mourning. Rend your heart, not your garments, and turn unto the Lord your God, for he is gracious, merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and repenteth him of the evil. Who knoweth if he will return and repent and leave a blessing behind him, even a meat offering and a drink offering unto the Lord your God. Now, out of all of this magnificent treatise in Joel 2, why just choose this one section? Well, because to me, I think it, it holds keys to what God is looking for in partners who he can walk through these transitional moments of the day of the Lord with, with whom he can walk through these transitional moments in the day of the Lord. Um, and, you know, I think that when we see, for instance, in, um, in what, what we read in verse 11 and what we then talked about with fasting, weeping, mourning, um, I, I believe that in rending our heart, not our garments, we did a number of those types of things in the summer. And really through this, through this year, we began this year in fasting. Do you remember that? We we fasted before the Lord in obedience. We even then had the seventh month, the last segment of this fast of feasting that we experienced, the preceding one. We did that with significant times of prophetic, prophetically invoked points of prayer and, and fasting. And we were asking God to prepare us. We were asking him to look upon us. And I think even though we didn't recognize that this certain segment of insight and invitation was what was coming, we did this to him, for him. And when it says there in verse 13, for he is gracious, that's the term hanam, that's, that's grace, which is promotion, which is looking to the new horizon. Merciful, which is not chesed here. It is the term that means a new beginning. It, it is often descriptive of the womb. And so it's God beginning something new. Slow to anger. This, uh, this is kind of strange because it, 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 it can mean two things. It can mean like long-suffering, extended arms, or in, in some ways it can also mean a long nose, <laughs> which, which really implies patience. It's not, it's not really, to me, it can be applied to anger, but it speaks more of the character of God where he's not in any hurry. And he, he gives you room to engage with him. And he takes his time because God is about the journey. He's not trying to get there to the destination quick. He could, but he's more about spending time with you. So you've got the graciousness of, of the invitation to partner with something new. 
you have the inception of being willing to come into that matrix of the new thing in the Lord. You have God's patience that is um, that's just abundant. He's not in any hurry, but he's but he is on a mission. And then you have of great kindness, and here is our friend Chesed. This is the normal mercy. Now, why the King James translators didn't put that in its proper form, I don't know. You have to remember that there were many different individuals that were working on that. They did a wonderful job. It was anointed, inspired. I use it. That's what I grew up with. I still carry it. I read from it today. So all of you purists, just put your swords back in your in your uh, sheath. And I'm not ridiculing the King James. What I am saying is that I, I, I want us to recognize that the regular measure of mercy, which is commune with God, where he speaks to you in, about his plan, gives directives as to what you're to do in the presence of the cherubs, that is here. And so you, you could look at those four things as a casting of the voice thunders lightnings earthquakes because they certainly fit but in a new in a new measure where god says i want to do this in grace i want to catch you up in contrition into that secret place of thunder the womb i want to begin to deliberate with you and cause you to begin to um, in the process of time with me become uh, energized and and filled with the burden and then uh, I want you to hear how I want to impact the place where you're called for that earthquake to occur so he continues by saying and repents him of evil now why isn't that the fifth one because when you start talking about Necham it's, it's not necessarily a segment. It's not necessarily a, um, a part of a principle. It is welcoming, being welcomed into the very heart of God. What he feels as that you have that negotiation going on. And again, I'm not going to redefine this. We've talked about it over and over again. Uh, God doesn't change his mind. You know, you, you know, I don't understand. It's so confusing. God repents of this, and then he says he never repents. That, there's no confusion there. There's no contradiction. It's just that word, Nacham, is indicative of being there with God when you're deliberating by his invitation concerning what his purpose is and how he is going to proceed toward that impact. Sometimes it, it involves the change of leadership. Sometimes it involves the change of tactic. Not because God messed up, but because circumstances evolved, people quit, people got iniquitized, as it were, that's not a word. 
people partook in iniquity and um, so there there had to be something you know it's like when Saul King Saul was appointed by God to be king and Samuel was there with him and he just kept Saul just kept doing things that weren't mistakes they were just egregious um, disruptions of, of obedience and what he knew to do you know it's kind of like the kid says I'm sorry well are you sorry you got caught or are you sorry for the thing you did there's a difference tell your brother you're sorry well is that just to assuage mom so that you can have dessert for dinner or do you really care or tomorrow you're going to whack him in the same way you did today see it's it's this is repentance by god where he is keeping the divine eye on what he is eternally accomplishing and he allows us into that chamber of counsel not to advise god or to petulantly petulantly try to to uh, to add your two cents in god's not looking for your opinion he's looking for your partnership and so whenever you talk about that it's not part of a principle it is it is the essence and so you have those four things that are list, listed as you turn to the lord your god as you as you do that somewhat of a the old testament measure of uh, metanoia the shuv you do the 180 and you get back in track or maybe you do the 180 maybe not from a point of boy i've been sure messing up maybe it's just you do the 180 from whatever the last mission was and you come back to the place where it all began so metanoia and shub aren't always because the people are doing screwy things it 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 could also be that whatever they have done for the lord on uh, by his directive that mission is completed so you don't just keep pressing on with that you you double back and you come back to him you know if if the parets the gap of standing in god sets the stage for breakthrough at some point you have to come back to the parets the gap the point of your initial establishment and that can be a shub or a metanoia directive we need to understand that so god the the earnest of this process we've just described in verse 13 is that god repents of the raw this progressive this ongoing revelation of the day of the lord god's god's going god's i see tobe and raw all the time the scripture says that and we need to we need to recognize that when we're accomplishing the tobe purpose of god god is always looking to okay what is the next step in my partnership with my people to keep going toward the tobe but you you every one of those steps particularly involves some correction of the twisted place 
that's what being a voice of one crying in the wilderness is all about. You make the crooked places straight. Those are all raw issues. So, verse 14, this is the title of our message. Who knows if he will return and repent, if he will offer a shoe measure and, and an engaged uh, discussion in Nikam. What does that mean? Why does it say who knows? Because you've been doing these things under the direction of the Lord. We've seen the, the layout. It's very powerful. Are you just doing it by some chance, running up the flagpole, see if the Lord salutes? Or are you are you um, are you just hoping that somehow this directive you got from him is going to generate something? The who knows here has nothing to do with those kinds of miscreant thoughts. It has more to do with we don't really know what God is going to do. But there will be the Shub process and there will be the Nakam. And what comes as a result? He will leave a baracha behind him. When you have that... Hey, who left this baracha here? <laughs> Remember what that term means? It means to kneel before a sovereign, to be commissioned to move forward into a new, in authority, in a greater authority than what you had. And when you engage in this shub, coming back to this holy place and you have participated in what God has commissioned for the moment in that point of divine counsel, you're going to gain a measure where you where you kneel and you you receive um, pr promotion and you receive authority that is in anticipation of and commensurate with what you're going to be called to do. As you leave it behind him, here again is that Moses coming out from under the hand of God in the crevice and seeing what God is, uh, what God has done in anticipation of his glory being revealed. When, when God's glory passed by in that place with Moses, what actually happened there? Was there any tangible thing that he could say, oh, God's glory passed by and whoosh, look what happened. We don't have any indication other than one of the instances, get ye down. It was setting the stage for what was coming. Moses was being given the directive of God for leading the people. And so the, the leaving behind is the, the process of meeting with God and submitting yourself and participating in this really honored call. You should emerge from that with a commission. You should emerge from that knowing that you're not the same as when you went in. You should emerge from that knowing that you have responsibilities now that are new and there's an authority with them. Um, and then look, 
even a meat offering and a drink offering unto the Lord your God. What does that mean? Does that mean God left a meat offering and a drink offering? No. That means that what is coming will generate that. So what is the meat offering and what is the meal offering? Well, these usually are together, and I think it would be a very easy thing to say that this symbolizes the table of communion. Because the the meat offering or the meal offering really doesn't have anything to do with meat. It's not a sacrifice for sin. It is, if you look at Leviticus 2, you'll see it. It is flour, it is oil, and it is frankincense. And you bring those three elements to the priest in this offering. And the priest takes his portion of the flour and the oil, and he takes all the the frankincense, and then they burn it. They consume it all. They consume what is left there. So, to me, that's kind of interesting because it's not like you bake a cake and you bring it and then you burn it. I mean, that's happened many times in home ec all over the country. Even in the Easy Bake Oven. What is that? Some of you my age or more know what that was. I never had one. That wasn't the kind of toy that I wanted. <laughs> so, I think this is this is God sharing that you're going to have plenty of harvest. You're going to, as priests, you're going to be able to, through the process, provide the instructions for people. You got to have this. You got to have this, and you got to have this, and you're going to be a recipient of that because you have done those things God is going to allow that portion to remain with you and you're going to need that because you've got to keep representing this as opposed to some people who teach on something and then it's out the window the spirit says that he'll bring all things to your remembrance that's a promise we have to we have to have so but this is all about um a measure of success in harvest, plenty, and it's the ingredients of bread with incense, with frankincense. Which remember, frankincense was the the culminative element in incense, wherein the other factors were added in too. And um, but all three of those things. Um, were presented to the priest and he took all of the the frankincense and he took a scoop of the of the of the meal and the oil but but then it was offered as a burnt offering to the lord that's kind of a strange thing but if you are a nakam individual and if you are those that are partnering with god as priests and kings you you better know that what you do is not just for you. What you do in the Lord is going to bless you, yes, but you will always have a responsibility to show those ingredients, not just bake the cake and, 
have a big feast, but to, to pattern that before the Lord and even to, to give thanks. Father, I see that you, you gave this and you gave this and you gave this. And regardless of what I do with the rest of this harvest under your direction, I come and this is an offering that's burned. Now, in conjunction with that, in Joel 2, it says that a drink offering would also be there under the Lord your God. Now, the drink offering was regularly, usually, part of this meal offering. Now, the drink offering could also be acknowledged in other ways. It was, it was where people poured usually wine. No, Welches were making grape juice back then, but usually wine, and they'd pour it out on the table. This was part of the culture back then, where people in the Aramaic communities, if if they had an agreement or covenant or something, they they would pour out wine, which is probably illegal in France, but you you would pour it out, and it was a drink offering, and it it signified not only the harvest of the vineyard. But it signified ongoing fellowship. It signified ongoing um, measures of commune and being enthused by the fellowship of the Lord. God's real big about vineyards and the wine press. So, as a result of what you do, in you've got, you've got issuances of repentance he will repent of the raah of the raw in um, verse 13 and then it says who knows he will return and repent and you know this is just um this is an amazing this is an amazing thing i mean i think that it it is in the timing of the lord it's something that we we as saints need to recognize God is serious about this. So in our walk as saints, in our walk being invited into this Necham fellowship in a deeper way than we've been, I'm not saying we've not been there before, but I'm saying that God has chosen this time to really delve in and make new paths for us in his heart. Um, this, This passage is a treatise concerning what God wants to do within that. Where we are participating in grace. Where we are entering into that point of seeing something new birthed. Where God is not in any hurry. He's wanting you to learn this. And, you know, I don't mean this in any bad way at all. But my father was a very simple man and but he really he really he would work hard he was diligent but he really didn't have much mentoring skill and i don't remember how many i can't i can't tell you how many times my mother would say to him edward why don't you take ronnie out and show him how to do this and and my dad would always say Oh, it, it would take too much time. So he just wanted to get what he was doing done. And um, 
I appreciate that. Whether it was working on the car or whatever. Now, there were some things that he would have to have me do. Like when we decided we were going to put in a new driveway, he and I did it. <laughs> he needed manpower. And so that was that was an interesting thing. But, you know, God God's not that way. You know, I could do it myself a lot quicker. God is interested in you learning. He's not worried about anything. He wants you to be absolutely uh, in the midst of, of the journey with him and in every part of this process. So why does it say slow to anger? Because in that context, if you've ever been a teacher, you know what this means. No matter how patient you are, if, if you're in a process trying to teach people something and you, as a teacher, you know that 98% of the other people are getting this, this person is not getting it, and it's not because of a learning deficiency. You can tell they're not investing. They're not doing their work. It's not that you go back and whack them with a ruler like in Catholic school. You, you, you can become frustrated now, I know God demands that we take seriously what he's going to do, what he wants us to learn. But he's, and this goes along with something we said not long ago. You may miss the moment, but you're going to be right back in another scenario where you've got to learn that lesson. You are going to learn that lesson, no matter how long it takes. And if there's anybody that's going to be held back in any way, it's going to be you by not knowing what God is giving you every opportunity to know. And you see that over and over. You see it in life. You may, may not characterize this. As a pastor, I have seen people, people in under my charge that just keep making the mistake, same mistakes over and over again. And come for counsel you say okay we're going to pray with you this is what you know this was bad but what do we learn from this and they say okay yeah i see i shouldn't do this and then the very next thing that happens boom they're doing the same thing over and over again you're going to repeat that thing until you get it right it's just the way it is and because god's not going to do any forced promotions here like our school systems do well, they can't read, but I think it's time for them to have a, a, a high school diploma. <laughs> Somebody also have to tell them what is written on that diploma, but we're going to, they're 28 years old, it's time for them to get out of high school. thats That doesn't happen in the spirit realm. It just doesn't. So, God is slow to anger, but it really you don't really find the onus you just find patience and long suffering in this word and it signifies and, and another factor of this if it is it does line up with the lightning sequence of voice thunders lightnings earthquakes you can't get in any hurry either you know lord i'm all fired up here it's time to do something you know i don't want to learn anything more it's time to have a demonstration oh you know, it's all word and no power you know, I heard that in 
Bible college. Kids would go through two or three classes and say, Bless God, there's a lost and dying world. I've learned enough. I need to get out there in the fields. Well, adios, amigo. At some point, you're going to recognize you need to learn more when you get out there. God help your people if you make some ridiculous mistake because you've chose to go out before the cake was baked but that's slow to anger and then and then that wonderful measure where God speaks to you very clearly and tells you what to do you know I've been asking God for that we have so many possibilities as saints so many options so many things we could pursue and we simply need to hear from him we absolutely have to hear from him we can't go off in our own ways because there are ways that seem right to us but the end thereof is destruction we, we cannot do that we must not do that so I join with you as saints in saying God give us your direction very clearly as if we were at that mercy seat of the ark and we're hearing from you in the presence of the angels you know Pastor Barbez from Tournai Belgium said last week in a, a Zoom meeting that we reiterated something that Vicki Sparrow said not long ago we need to get our words from the Lord absolutely right because this is what the angels are waiting for well yeah I'm concerned for the angels but I'm most concerned that I'm in right fellowship and I, I, I value those those are powerful words they're inspiring but the reason the angels can move on that is because you are an heir of salvation. They minister on behalf of what God gives you to do. And this is about you going through the process, the divine process of yielding yourself to God and doing all these other things and then here. And then in God's timing, you make the declaration, you set your feet toward a pathway you arise and go forth in obedience and the angels are hearkening to that supplication and to those words and this is a glorious thing so I speak the blessing of the Lord upon you it's a wonderful thing to be able to come as a saints network this weekend to pray together where we are saying father we're positioning ourselves in obedience to your spirit as we look forward to the new this message from Joel 2 gives us some of the things that are happening right now in the midst of this process we need to recognize this not simply as a theoretical theorem theoretical theorem that's redundant as a, a theoretical teaching or as, as clear it is, as it, as wonderful as it is, it's not simply the understanding of another divine principle, even though that is worth its weight beyond the weight of gold. But we're living this. 
you are living this. Do you realize it? Nothing else compares. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You're called to be a leader in that righteousness from Isaiah 61. You're called to be a champion in the flock. You're called to be a pillar. You're called to be someone that is um, is serving God that others can be inspired by and follow. But mostly, you're called to honor the one who is who is your father. So, who knows? That's the title of this message. But it, it really leans toward God's got something glorious ahead. It's time for us to, in faith, submit ourselves and be ready to go and do whatever he says, wherever he says, however he says it. We don't know that right now, for we walk by faith and not by sight. But we do walk by faith at the right hand of God. I truly appreciate all of you saints, and I thank you for taking the time to share this teaching and know that it is from the Father for you. God bless you. Look forward to the directive for uh, first Saturday. And until the next time we can be together, we're praying for you. We're praying with you. God bless you. And goodbye.